I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Tonight that I believe with all of my heart that as we begin to move forward that God is going to move in the miraculous. That He is going to do the tremendous. That the even as it was said of Israel, the fame of them went abroad. And it's going to begin to radiate from this house. And people are going to begin to hear about a church over in Spencer where miracles are taking place. They're going to hear about a church over in Spencer where the blinded eyes are being opened. Where the cancers are dropping off. Where the lame come in and they walk out leaving their wheelchair and their crutches behind. They're going to hear about lives that are a mess and just in such disrepair. That society has written them off. That they're going to walk out and say, I don't understand. I don't believe what I see. It's transforming. It's amazing what has happened. I must go and see this for myself. Zacchaeus had no intention of taking Jesus home with him. He just wanted to see him. But you know, there was something about it. That desire to see Jesus, Brother Davis, just overpowered him. And and when he got up in that tree and Jesus said, i got to go home with you today, son. And Zacchaeus, when he got home, he said, Lord, he said, I'm going to do better than what I should have done. He said, I'm going to restore fourfold everything that was taken that I've done wrong. and, and, And the Lord looked at him and he said, today is salvation come to your house. We're going to see. We're going to see some great things. Thank God. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to go with me to the 23rd chapter of the book of Proverbs. Thankful for this opportunity. I, I so appreciate uh, the Lord bringing me to this place. Uh, why, I, I told Brother Hill the other night at the, at the men's fellowship, and I had a good time. Uh, it, it was a good time. It was cold, and thank God I had my Carhartt jacket, and, and there was a good fire, and thank God there was a good fire. And uh, it was raining, and thank God there was a good shelter house to be underneath. And, uh, you know, I went hungry, and thank God Brother Tuttle had been cooking like a wild man and, and fixed good stuff. And, and, you know, and Brother Davis brought the preacher's best friend, fried chicken. Bless your heart. Somebody walked up to me, and I had a piece of chicken. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm eating the preacher's best friend right here, piece of fried chicken. Thank God. And so I, I am just, I am thankful that the Lord has brought me here uh, to be a part of this great church. And I am very honored that God would choose me to be here. Proverbs chapter number 23. We're going to read one scripture. And then in a few moments we're going to go to our second scripture, Sister Davis, and I'll let you know when we want to go there. But Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 23. And it reads, By the truth... And sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Buy the truth and sell it not. Turn to your neighbor and shake their hand and tell them you love them. If you don't love them, don't you lie to them. And you can be seated in the name of the Lord. Thank God. Just for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach to you the greatest purchase you will ever make. Over the last few years, I have had the extreme misfortune and great pleasure 
of having people that I have been very close to that have been afflicted with Alzheimer's. And it's a, it's a terrible disease. They don't, doctors don't know what causes it. You know, they can, they can stabilize and tell you the gene is there. They can give you medicine to kind of slow it down and retard things, but they can't cure it. And several years ago, my, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Now, before I get into that, I, I want to say that, you know, at the, at the very tender age of 71, that dad repented of his sins and was baptized in Jesus' name, and the Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost. But as is the pattern in the Horton side of the family, and I'm taken after Methuselah and Enoch, I believe. I don't believe that I'm going to go after that side. Uh, but after the Horton side of the family, he was afflicted as have been about 90% of his siblings with Alzheimer's. But he would go to church, and he would go in, and every service night that he was able to go, and I, I remember he came to visit here in Indiana, and at the first song that started up, he got out and put his hands in the air, and he began to weep and cry, and he began to march around the church. And while every song was sang, that was his mode of worship. And my mother said that, you know, as the Alzheimer began to debilitate him, it got to the point that he didn't know who my mother was. He thought she was his sister. And when people would come over, when my brother would come over, he didn't know who my brother was. And when folk would come over, maybe he would know them and maybe he wouldn't. And he had no idea. But he was not shy about reading his Bible. And mom said that when it got to the point that with the Alzheimer's you begin to lose your focus and you're unable to, to focus, that he was unable to read his Bible anymore. And she said, I would go looking for him and I would find him in the Florida room, which in Florida is like a den. And she said, I would see him there in the chair or I, he would be sitting on the couch and and I would think that maybe he was asleep. And she said, I would walk over and I would see that he was praying. And she said, a little later I would go looking for him and I would find him on the front porch. And there he was on the front porch in one of the lawn chairs. And, and she said, I would see him through the window and I would walk outside. And he was there praying. And he was talking to his, as he called him, his daddy. And as his life continued down that journey of not being able to understand and to know and, and the loss of things, the call came in two years ago this past May. May the 17th, and I knew the call was coming. The Lord had spoke to me and said, you're going to receive bad news. Your dad's going to die this year. And I had inspected the call, and my mother called and said, your dad's been diagnosed with cancer, and they gave him this time frame, and I said, I'll be down. Got to Florida, and when I saw him, he was emaciated. He was uh, at, at, at 230 pounds. He looked good. He was about 180. But there was still the joy in his heart, and he found a time to pray every day. The cancer was in his bones, and it was very difficult for him to move, but it wasn't, wasn't too difficult for him to find time for prayer. And so I left there, and two weeks later, the, he, he told my mother on a Thursday afternoon, as he was sitting in his chair in the living room, and he had been praying, and he looked at her, and he said, I want to go home. And my mother said, well, where is home? He said, I'm not sure. And she said, well, is it Indiana? And he said, no, I don't think so. And she said, well, is it Kentucky? And he said, no, I, I don't think it's there. And she said, well, well, where is, who is at home that you want to see? And he looked at her and big tears welled in his eyes. And he said, 
Jesus is where home is at, and that's where I want to go. My mother said it, it moved me, and I went into the other room, and I got on my knees, and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, if, if this is his desire, and it's his time, come and get him. By Sunday, he was bedridden. By Tuesday, he was almost comatose, and the pastor from the church came. And he came into the bedroom, and, and their dad laid in the bed, and he hadn't been out of bed since Sunday morning. And there he laid, and he was just really, for all intents and purpose, he was out of it. And dad, dad lay there, and the pastor came in, and, and he bent over him, and he said, I saw your dad's lips moving. He was telling me at the funeral. And he said, I stuck my head down to where your dad's lips were, and I heard the words just faintly coming out of his mouth. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Here he was in a condition that he didn't know anybody. His life was ready to pass from him. But the words that were coming from his heart was, I love you, Lord. He had made a purchase some time ago that had said that I will buy the truth and I'll not sell it. I'm going to purchase this thing and I'm not afraid to get rid of it. I'm going to pay the price and I'm not about to sell what I have because it means more to me than anything in this world. Nine months later, I got a phone call from my cousin and said, Doug said, Dad has died. And he wants you, wanted you to preach the funeral. And I said, tell me when it is and I will be there. My aunt, his wife, has Alzheimer's. I drove to Maryville, Indiana on that Sunday afternoon in March. And I got there and Aunt Louise had no idea who anybody was. We were standing at the casket and she looked around and and she turned around and she looked at my uncle laying there and she said, well, that man looks like he's dead. And said, yes, yes, I, I, I think he is. And throughout the course of the viewing that day, she was completely didn't know anybody, didn't know anything. That evening, we, my cousin and his family and myself, we went out to dinner. And my aunt and, and my, her baby sister, my, my dad's baby sister, they went home and and after we had went to dinner and had a time of fellowship, we went to my aunt and uncle's house. And there we walked into the living room, and my aunt was sitting in her Bentwood rocker, and she was preaching to my aunt, who is not in the church. And she said, you know, she said, I don't know who you are. But she said, I know one thing. She said, if you don't get baptized in Jesus' name. And if you don't speak in tongues and get the Holy Ghost and live a sanctified, holy life, she said, you're not going to heaven. And she said, I'm going to tell you one more thing. She said, that Ron guy that's been running around, and that was her other brother. She said, that Ron guy may be a nice guy, but she said, he hasn't been baptized in the name of Jesus. And I don't care how much he talks in tongues, he ain't going to heaven either. And I sat there and I looked at my cousin and I grinned. And I, a little later I said, Steve, I said, she bought the truth a long time ago. She paid the price, and it's down on the inside of her heart. There was something down on the inside of her that said, I have bought the truth, and I'm not about to sell it or let it go. After the funeral, my cousin took her back to San Antonio, Texas. And there, Steve goes to the Apostolic Church in San Antonio, and, and he called me one day, and he said, Doug, he said, I can't figure it out. I said, what's that, Steve? He said, Mom, I said, ain't nothing to figure out with Alzheimer's. It, it's just, you know, you have bad days and you have worse days. And he said, no, no, no. He said, that's not what I'm saying. He said, when it's church day. He said, when it's church day. He said, I don't understand it. 
when it's church day and she gets up, she says, what time are we getting ready to go to the house of the Lord? He said, all day long, she'll ask my wife, are we getting ready yet to go to the church? It's church day. And, 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 and he said, my wife will ask her, said, Lucy, how do you know it's church day? She said, I know it's church day. Because there's something down on the inside of me that's telling me that I'm going to the house of God today. And I want to know when I'm going to go and when I'm going to get there. You see, there was something down on the inside of her that she bought the truth a number of years ago. And when hell and high water came and when troubles came, when distresses came, and when propositions came, she said, I'll not sell what I've got because I know what I have is more valuable than anything this world can offer. I know that I have bought the truth. And I'm not about to sell it. I don't believe that Solomon understood or realized when he penned those words in the 23rd chapter, in the 23rd verse, when he proclaimed to buy the truth. The word truth there comes from the Chaldean word, which means stability, reliability, and sureness, faithfulness. Solomon began to pin the words. He said, I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to purchase something that is reliable. Something that is sure and stable and is not moved over the course of time. Something that is going to be faithful to you in the time of unfaithfulness. It's going to be faithful to you in a day of adversity. Something uh, that is going to be reliable when everything else falls apart. You need to buy the truth. And then we begin to read and we turn and Sister Davis get me the scripture there in John chapter number 14. And we begin to read that as Jesus is talking to the disciples. Uh, and He begins to look at them and tell them uh, that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. Uh, and then He utters these immortal words uh, when He said, I am the way, the truth, uh, and the life. Uh, when Solomon began to pin the words, uh, some seven or eight hundred years prior to that, uh, what he was really prophesying was saying uh, was the day is going to come uh, when you need to invest in a reliable ability of a God that is immovable, unshakable, and always faithful. You need to invest in a God that will not be changed in an hour of adversity. You need to pay the price and buy the truth of a living God. We find that in the Scriptures there are many, many examples. And Jesus begins to talk to us in the 13th chapter of the book of Matthew. And He begins to talk about the man that found the pearl of great price. And He realized and recognized the value that it had. And Jesus said that when He saw how valuable it really was, when He saw the beauty of it, when He was able to understand and comprehend, I've never seen anything like this. I've never been around anything like this. I've never laid my eyes on anything that is as beautiful or as brilliant or as pure as this. And I've got to pay the price to have it. I've got to obtain it. I'm going to sell. I'm going to get rid of everything else. I'm going to pay the price because it's more valuable than anything else I've had. It's more valuable than anything else I've ever seen. And I'll pay the price. Jesus said He went and sold all that He had. That he may have the pearl of great price. All of us in here have bought many things over the course of time. I've bought a lot of cars and sold a lot of cars. I've bought and sold a couple of houses. 
I've bought weapons and sold them. I've bought different things along and sold them. And I thought, you know, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to keep it. But somebody came along and made me an offer on something one day. That I said, you know what, that's, that's a little better than what I, what I got invested in that. I think I'll go ahead and let it go. I didn't have any sentimental value. When Katie and I got married and, and when I was, went, went in and began to put some clothes in, in the closet there and I looked and in the corner there were some guns there and, and I began to look at those guns and I, I said something to her and she said, those belong to my dad. And said, Brother Robertson said, they're worth some money, but she said, I'll not get rid of them because they mean more than money to me. They've got more value, Brother Davis. Than a monetary figure. There's something about them that mean more to me than any amount of money that you can get. Friend of mine, I'm here to tell you tonight, when you begin to invest in the truth, when you begin to invest in Jesus Christ, when you begin to understand how valuable He really is, when you begin to understand how much He really means, when you begin to understand that when you get down the death's door, when the Lord begins to come back and that trumpet sounds, that it's Him and only Him that's going to get you out you begin to realize there is nothing in this world that means any more to me than the purchase of my truth. There as I was visiting my dad three weeks before he died, we were sitting talking. He said, you know what my favorite scripture is? I said, hard telling dad. He said, my favorite scripture is found in the book of Mark. He can remember that. He said in the book of Mark, in the 8th chapter, it says this. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, I want to go to heaven. He said, I, I don't want anything to stand in my way. He said, I want to make sure that I'm paying the price and that, that the price is paid and that, that everything is taken care of. He said, I don't want anything in this world. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, I can't remember anything. He said, my health. He said, I don't know what's wrong with my health. But he said, I don't have good health. He said, all these other things don't matter. He said, I'm going to leave them all behind. But he said, the one thing that does matter to me is a relationship with a God that's going to meet me there at death's door. That when it comes that time, that when the Lord calls my name, that He's going to be there to take me by the hand and He's going to usher me on through and take me to that other place and there I shall be with Him forever. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight the day that He passed away, that evening as He was there in the room, my mother said that in the moment before that the light went out of Him that suddenly a breeze came into the room. The windows were closed. It was June in Florida and you don't open the windows in June in Florida and the air conditioner was on but all of a sudden there was a breeze that came through the room and a peace that settled and the nurse that was in that room she jumped up and she said my lord something's going on something's happening I've never experienced anything like this why because somebody had bought the truth somebody had paid the price and said it's more valuable to me than anything else buy the truth Sell it not. You see, when I begin to, to count the cost, Jesus said, no man goes to battle but what he counts the cost. Because he, he figures that, you know what, if I can go out there with, with 10,000 soldiers and, and I can win the war, then I'm going to do that. But if the battle is greater than what I've got, then I'm going to send out an ambassador for peace. 
because I'm counting the cost. I'm looking at what it's going to cost me. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight that it doesn't matter what it costs to be saved. The fact of the matter is it's a small price to pay to give up everything to know Jesus. It's a small price to pay that when you lay your head down at night and you're willing to go to sleep and you say, God, I know that if you come tonight, it shall be well. I know I've paid the price. I know that I'm serving you the way you want me to. I know I'm doing the will of God. I know, God, there's nothing that's going to stand in my way and come between you and I. In the prison, I do not preach standards. I'll let the Lord do that. Now, a few months ago, a young man there that has the Holy Ghost been baptized in Jesus' name. He is a, I call him my Apostle Paul in the prison because he's in there teaching and preaching. This weekend he's on an extended fast because he wants to see a revival. It was July and he walked into the chapel. He had a tube sock with a toe cut out pulled up on his left arm. And I thought, well, he's, he's hurt himself. He's burned himself. He's done something. And he came up to me and he, he said, they call me pastor there because I'm their prison pastor. And he said, he said, pastor, he said, the Lord got to talking to me about my tattoo and told me I needed to cover that thing up. And he said, it's too hot to wear long sleeves. And he said, I told the Lord, said, Lord, it's too hot to wear long sleeves. He said, get you a sock. And he said, okay, Lord. And he said, that's why I'm wearing this sock. He said, because I want to do what the Lord told me to do. I'm willing to pay the price. And if the Lord had told me to wear long sleeves, he said, I'd suffered with it. But he said, I, I want you to know, he said, the Lord, when I did that and I was obedient, he said, God began to bless me in other areas and other ways. Uh, a few years ago, there was a young man that had been attending. Actually, several years ago, there at Plainfield, I had a young man that was coming. And, and little did I know, and, and I didn't know this until after he'd gotten out and began to attend the local apostolic church, uh, that as a boy, his mother had taken, or his grandmother uh, had taken him to the church in Martinsville and that he had had some kind of an apostolic background but he came into the church or came into the prison and there the men that were there began to work with him and one of the boys that was apostolic that was in the prison he wasn't uh, he wasn't serving God when he went to prison he got in trouble and then after he got in prison he got himself straightened out and thank God for that but he came to me and he said he was a barber and Drew came to me and he said he said pastor he said I got to tell you he said uh he, he, Phil is coming tonight and said, you're not going to recognize him when he walks in the door. And I said, why is that? He said, he, he come over to the barber shop the other day and he had a beard and he had long hair and he'd had long hair all of his life. And he came into the barber shop and he said, I need a shave and a haircut. And he said, what in the world for? And he said, because if I'm going to be an apostolic. He said, I'm going to pay the price and be an apostolic. He said, if I'm going to serve God, I know what I got to do. If I'm going to live for the Lord, then I'm going to live for the Lord and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly. And he said, Pastor, I cut his hair. And he looked in the mirror and he said, ain't short enough, cut it again. And he cut it again. And when he walked into the, deal, the building, I looked at him. I said, Phil, is that you? He said, yes, sir. He said, I'm ready to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm ready to receive the Holy Ghost. I'm ready to sell it all out and to serve the Lord. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'm willing to walk with God. I'm willing to take the criticism. I'm willing to take all the objectivity that's going to come along. Why? Because I know that the truth is more valuable than anything else this world has to offer. Buy the truth. Sell it not. 
Jesus again makes begins to live and give the explanations of those that are there. He begins to tell them a man went out into the field. And he, he looks at the field and he sees there's a treasure. And in that field of treasure, he says, I've got to have this. This means more to me than anything I've got. And he went and he sold everything that he had. And he bought it. And he was joyful to get that field. There was something about it that it meant more than anything else in this world. There was something about having that possession of a field where there was a treasure in it. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, there is a treasure in Jesus Christ like you've never known before. When you go to bed, when you're standing at desk and you know that when you take your last breath here that next one's going to be in glory and you're going to hear those words that's going to come from Jesus himself that says well done thou good and faithful servant there's not a price that can be placed on that there is not a dollar figure that I can tell you that is enough to pay for the, for, for the feeling and the joy of knowing that it shall be well We look in the Old Testament and we find that Esau really didn't care too much about the truth, the birthright. You see, what we have is the earnest of our inheritance. It is just the birthright, if you will. We have gotten the promise. And Esau decided that it was was better. And I like vegetable soup. And thank God, my wife and the girls made some vegetable soup the other day that, son, I'm here to tell you is good enough to make you want to jump out and just hug yourself. It was good. I mean, it was just... I had I had eaten at work, and I came home, and they said, Poppy, we got this vegetable soup, and the more I sat there, I wasn't hungry, but the more I sat there and the more I smelled it, I had to go get me a bowl. It was good. And Esau said, you know what? I'm going to get me a bowl of vegetable soup. That's better than my inheritance. But I'm here to tell you tonight, as good as the vegetable soup was the other night, it's not worth my Jesus. It's not worth the the joy that I have of knowing that if I take my last breath tonight, that in the morning it's going to be all right. It's not worth giving up the pleasure of knowing that everything shall be well. That in the midnight hour when there's nobody around, in that time when my heart is distressed, when my heart is overwhelmed within me, when the problems are assailing me, when things are coming against me, when hell is raised up against me, to know that when the devil comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. Friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, there is no price that is so great. There is no thing that is so strong that I can't give it up to know Jesus and to serve him and to have the truth in my life. We begin to look a little forward and we find that there was a man called Naboth. Naboth had a vineyard. Ahab wanted his vineyard. There's a lot of things out there, my friend, that will want to take your Jesus from you. There's a lot of things out there that will come along that says, I want what you got, and I'll give you something else in exchange for it. Well, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I've had too many guys in the joint tell me when they got the Holy Ghost, said, man, I ain't never been on no high like this. I... uh, Brother Tarvin, I call him little brother. He's about 5'8 and 350. Black boy. I love him to death. He calls, calls Brother Hill the albino chili pepper. 
And he calls Brother Jake Jitterbug. He got the Holy Ghost the 31st of August. And he said, he said, Pastor, he said, I've heard you talk about getting drunk on the Holy Ghost. And he said, but that day, he said, I, I, I didn't realize it. He said, I'm up there. And he said, I caught that Holy Ghost. And he said, he said, I was talking in tongues. And he said, my, my legs got all just, just wobbly and everything. And he said, I, I, I couldn't hardly stand up. Well, I'm, I'm glad Brother Jake was over there because if, if he went, went on down, I was going to let him go. He's too big for me to hold up. I'm going to tell you right now he was. And he said, it dawned on me when I went back, when I went back to my, my dorm. He said, it, it came back to my mind what you said about getting drunk. And he said, Pastor, I was getting drunk on the Holy Ghost. And he said, I ain't never felt that good in all my life. He said, you, you've been telling me for a year the Lord would give me the Holy Ghost. And he said, I finally caught it. To, and he said, man, he said, it ain't nothing like this in all my life. He said, I, there's nothing out there for me no more. There's nothing in this place for me no more. What I've got is better than anything I've ever had. The truth is better. Naboth, let me have your vineyard. No, no, no. You ain't got nothing good enough to take my vineyard from me. You don't have anything that would compare with what I have. You don't have anything good enough that, that measures up to what this belongs. This belongs to me. This is my inheritance. This is what my family has passed down to me. This is what belongs to me. And the Lord forbid me to sell it. Friend, I'm telling you tonight that when the Lord fills you with the Holy Ghost and your life is transformed by the power of God, you need to get an attitude that says this. The Lord forbid me to sell what I've got. The Lord forbid me to trade what I've got. The Lord forbid me just to even think about trading it off. I'm going to hang on to what I've got. It's mine. I know what I have. And I'm not about to let it go. I know what I've got in this. It's been given to me. It belongs to me. And you don't have anything good enough to take its place. Of course, we know that Naboth, they bear false witness against him and they killed him. Took his vineyard. Jesus said, don't worry about that. He said, if they kill you, that's all right. He said, don't fear him. He said, fear him, they can kill you and cast you in. You see, I'm here to tell you tonight, when you begin to pay the price and you realize that I have bought truth... I have bought Jesus, if you will. I have invested myself in Him. The greatest purchase that you'll ever make is in Jesus Christ. The greatest purchase that you can ever have is in Jesus. I'm here to tell you I've been at the deathbed of those that have gone on that didn't know the Lord. And I've been with those that did know the Lord. And it was as different as night and day. Why? Because they had bought into something that was going to carry them through. They had bought something that in the face of death there was peace. In the face of all the, the uncertainty that was there, they could look at it and say, it's going to be all right because I know what I've got. I know the price that I've paid and I know what I've bought and it is worth more than anything else. We go to the New Testament and we begin to find a man named Judas. A man that had been in the very presence. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. He had seen the miracles. He had performed miracles. He was part of that 70 that had went out. He was part of that 70 that came back and said, Lord, 
Even the devils are subject to us in thy name. He had experienced the power of God firsthand. Some, my God, somebody needs to hear this. I would tell you tonight like I tell the boys, and this is figurative, but I'm going to tell you like I tell them in prison. Take a finger and stick it in one ear so it don't go in one side and out the other. Let it rattle around in your head until it sticks in you. Hear me tonight. Judas had been in the presence of Jesus. He had seen the miracles firsthand. He had felt the very presence of God Almighty within his reach. He had been touched and touched him for his very self. He had been in that place that he had enjoyed all the accolades and all the grandeur. He had seen the dead raised. He had seen the blind eyes opened. He had seen the lame walk. He had seen the water turn the wine. He had seen all the things that had transpired. But there was something that came down on the inside of him. He didn't have to be the one to do it. But rather he chose that he would be the one. There was something that became more important to him than the truth. There was something that became more important to him than his relationship with Jesus Christ. There was something that became more important to him than knowing that it's going to be alright, that I'm going to serve him, that I'm going to go with him all the way. And he allowed something as frivolous and as worthless as a few pieces of silver to come between him and his Jesus. We find that even at the Last Supper, Jesus looks at him and calls him friend. My God. Friend, go do what you need to do. There, as they come to get him, there is Judas in the midst. Still wanting to have a relationship. But he had sold his relationship. We see Judas comes to where Jesus is and he tells them, he said, listen, the one that I'm going to betray, I'm going to betray him with a kiss. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to just act like everything's good, like it's always been. And Jesus, he didn't retaliate. He didn't push him away. We find that Jesus goes, Judas realizing what he has done, he takes the money and he goes back to the Sanhedrin. He goes back to the council and he tells them, I've sold the truth. I've sold my relationship with the God of glory. I don't want this money. I don't want this anymore. I, I, I want to take it back. Take it back from me. I, I don't want this. It's too late, Judas. You've already sold him out. You already traded him in for something that isn't going to take you very far. Isn't going to get you very much. It's just a temporal thing. As we would stand tonight. We find that Judas throws the money. The Bible says he went out, found a rope, went over to where there was a tree on a cliffside, and he 
threw himself off the edge of the cliff with the rope around his neck. He hung himself. He fell. He died. His life was over. The truth that had been in his hands, John said, we handled the word of life. The truth that John again said we beheld him full of grace and truth. The truth that he had seen of God's grace. The truth that he had seen of God's mercy. The truth he had seen of God's power. The truth he had seen of God's healing ability. The truth that he had seen of the life-changing power of a God that was robed in flesh. was now a long way from him because he had sold him for something that didn't matter. By the truth. By surety. Well, Brother Horton, you you know, you you just don't understand. Listen, my dad, I'm going to tell you something. I loved my dad, but he was worthless. When I was a kid, he was, he was a drunk. He would be gone two and three days at a time, not knowing where he was. I can tell you where he was because I found out later he was out whoring out. Pardon me for being so blunt. He had drank all of his life. Oh, he worked. But he had been mean. But at 71 years old, when... He finally realized that God would forgive him. For the next ten years, his life was exemplary. And a change that had taken place that people that knew him said, I don't even know Doc anymore. Why? Because he realized that when he bought the truth, he was going to get rid of everything else. He never looked back. He never turned around. If you're here tonight, the altars are open. If you're here tonight, don't be like Judas. The opportunity is here tonight to make it right. I beg you tonight as every head would be bowed and every eye would be closed. I am, I am pleading tonight for somebody's life. I am begging you tonight. Don't look at the things that are in your life now, but rather look at what Jesus Christ has done in your life before and what He wants to do again now. Judas, you don't have to do this. I'm going to. Oh, I'll come back Wednesday night. I'll come back Sunday. You have no guarantee. Today is the day of salvation. What should a man give in exchange for his soul? What price are you willing to pay to let your Jesus go?
How much is he worth to you? I'm here to tell you he's worth more than life to me. every hand in the air towards heaven.